Welcome to the podcast that is all about self-employment. We'll be sharing expertise on getting started, getting noticed, and getting it right, as well as dealing with getting it wrong. Your host, Julia Kermode, will help you get ahead so you get the success you deserve. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me Martin Barnes, and today is the second of our trilogy in enjoying how enjoying pitching. And today we're talking about storytelling. So, just a little bit of background about Martin. He is a well, he's a crocodile wrestler, which is a whole other story, and he's a pitch coach who provides uh, consulting and coaching to help businesses and startups. So basically, people like you who li- who are listening. And he's worked with a really good, um, impressive list of clients and has written conference talks for chief executives um, and developed brand stories and all sorts of things. So well worth checking out. And I'm really pleased to have him with us today. Welcome, Martin. Hello, Julia. It's lovely to be back. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So storytelling. Now, to me, in a pitch, storytelling sounds a bit like a luxury because sometimes when you're pitching you are hoping to attract new business or you want to get across facts and figures or, or whatever. So uh, how, why should we add storytelling into a list of things that we need to cover anyway? And why why do you think it's important? I, I would, that's a, such a great question. And I'm, I was trying to think of how to, you know, kick this off. But I want to start by talking about uh, Brene Brown. Okay. Uh, and she is uh, an incredibly successful TED speaker. Okay. So we all know TED is an mm. incredible pa- platform for ideas worth sharing. And when you started talking about facts and figures and numbers, that triggered uh, Brene Brown because she has an amazing quote that says, data are stories with a soul. Right, okay. And so no matter what field you're in, no matter what level of person you're talking to, there will be a certain amount of data But if you just present and pitch facts and figures as raw numbers, so what? Because your smartphone is arm's length away right now. You can scoop it up and swipe, tap, tap. You're into Google and you can search the world's brain. Mm -hmm. So information is not the problem. It's like, what do we do with information? And every single piece of data is the fingerprint of somebody's need to do something okay okay and so when you look at a data point you can start to dig down and unravel it and realize that mrs smith in wolverhampton for example needed to get something urgently online she searched on google she found the best price she got in her car and she drove there she used her credit card she bought it Mm -hmm. those are all data points yeah why did mrs smith need it that's the story that we can tell yeah. And for a product, for a service, for a company, they need to know why their customers are doing things so that they can then improve their services and grow revenue and grow audience and, and, and generally prosper. Mm. So if you just list facts and information, people are sort of sat there going, okay, that's, <laughs> your, that's what you found on the web. Yeah. I could find something different. <laughs> yeah. What does it actually mean to me? And how can I use it to make better strategical decisions? Yeah. And facts and figures are dry. And if you just throw facts at people, you're you're making the audience do the hard work mm. of understanding why it's important. But if you dig into that fact and find the narrative and the story elements that make it important and you share those first, 
as your 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 what's the right word runway mm. to taking off into action then the story helps us get onto that runway quicker easier yeah. and smoother and and like we talked about in our previous um conversation we talked about the cave paintings and, and mm. the tribes needing to succeed and again they were telling stories and they were talking about the speed of the animal the size of the animal the amount of fur on the animal the amount of resources that they could get for the community for the upcoming season and if they just sort of said big animal get now some people <laughs> would have gone ah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna sit by the stream and enjoy the sunshine yeah but if they sort of said we need it because of surviving your babies your children you know and and explaining how it was going to work with passion and performance then you're sharing ownership of the result with the audience and mm. then there's more yeah yeah and i guess it also gives the wider context for the message you're trying to get across because you're right you could have just if you were in the cave with those cave people with those pictures you didn't you could have just said we need food go go get sort of thing but but they, but why why would that motivate people to do that you you know and um, without without the extra context and the the story around it so yeah okay and i I mean, this is probably a silly question, but are all audiences receptive to this storytelling? And just from what you've outlined, it seems obvious that everyone is receptive to it. So I don't know why we don't do it more often, actually. Well, it's, it's, that's a super spot on question because it is all about your audience. Mm. And audiences are different. So, for example, in the past, I've worked with a lot of um, automotive companies okay. like Volkswagen, Audi, BMW, Mercedes. Um, and those companies have a very engineering mindset. Yeah. Um, and the leaders and the decision makers have worked their way up through the ranks. They're very risk averse. They very based on, uh, because they're engineers, they, they want to see tangible information. Mm. Um, and so you can't go and talk to them with lots of flowery, emotive, whimsical <laughs> storytelling. However, there is a story in what they do and you have to speak the engineer's language. Right, yeah. And so in a pitch, the focus is the presenter, the value is the audience. Right. Because let's say there's five people listening to your pitch, that's five times their hourly rate plus yeah. your hourly rate. That means six times a number is what this moment is worth mm. and if you go in and you pitch the wrong stories you're wasting all that money yeah you're wasting attention you're wasting time people are going to walk away going that was a waste of my time i'm not doing that again mm. um but if you place them at the center of the story and it's all about them from the beginning then they know why they're there yeah and they're tuned in and they are actively listening and figuring out what they're going to do next and data is part of that but again you need a little door <clears throat> excuse me a door into the data point mm. that the story opens and then that lets you get into the data castle you can wander around the data castle as much as you like find all the data you need but if you don't have that little doorway in then you're stood on the outside looking at this massive number going, so what? Yeah, no, that's that's helpful. And also, I think some people are perhaps guilty of not doing enough prep as well. And th this might take us into more of our next episode. Um, but 
in terms of when you think of the monetary value of that moment in time when you are talking to an audience, then you have to invest your time in, in the preparation and, you know, tailoring what you want to say to your audience so that the storytelling elements are relevant. Um, and so, yeah, that's really helpful. Um, and, you know, I think you... It, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, should there be a story to every single point we want to want to make? And that that's that sounds like a really silly question, even to me, as I've just <laughs> just said it. But I I've always loved those presentations that are kind of rambling stories, and they just seem to be off the cuff. And I've always kind of aspired to be like that. And I've not I've not made it yet, to be fair. <laughs> but that's because I feel like you can only have so much of that stuff. And I for me, it works better to have one central story with with kind of the aligned to the message but what do you think anyway yeah no i mean stories <clears throat> there's a i think a differentiation we should we should explore a little bit so there's storytelling mm. and then there are story elements okay and i've just had this conversation with a fantastic uh storytelling coach uh francisco mm -hmm. who we, we got connected on on linkedin and again i think we should share his contact his information with with your audience because again he he shares amazing information, he's incredibly generous, got so many insights to share. Mm. And we, we, I kind of said I was a storyteller. That's kind of how we got connected. And we had a conversation. He said, you know what, Martin, you're not actually a storyteller, but you use story elements. Okay. And I thought about okay. that and I was like, you're right. You know, I don't have the um, classical journey that you go through of transformation through storytelling mm. with, um, you know, I think it's like, pathos logos and egos or something like that there's this really classical sort of structure where how where, where do you begin what do you learn how do you transform and how are you a better person or a different person at the end mm. now that's kind of storytelling and it's in hollywood movies bollywood movies chinese movies you know african stories african movies like we all tell the stories in the same way, but the details we fill in are completely different. Mm. And a story requires transformation. Yeah. Yet you don't have to go to that extreme off, off the cuff. You don't have to get to the top of the story mountain instantly, but you want to move away from just data dumping. Yeah. And I call them a wiki pitch. So I, whenever anybody starts pitching and, and they're telling me things I could learn quicker, online by going to wikipedia google their website mm. or their linkedin page if you're just replicating what we can find online instantly then please don't use my time for that i want to know <laughs> something and feel something that only you can tell me mm. and how you reveal that and then i i really focus on um sort of having analogies and metaphors mm. and sort of saying hey that thing you know it's just like this and simplifying it. So an example of that, the best pitch I've ever heard is for the uh, Ridley Scott film, Alien, right. which came out in 1979. They're still making the movies now. And so a little bit of real quick context. In 1975, Jaws came out. Yeah. And it was so impactful that people stopped swimming in the sea because yeah. they were so scared. 1977, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> Star Wars happened yeah. and we went to space. 
And then 1978, or whenever the screenwriters were pitching to the Hollywood executives, they went into the office and they said, and the guy said, what's your new film about? They said, Jaws in Space. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, every time I tell that story, I get goosebumps because they simplified their story and they used incredibly strong reference points that their audience already had. And they let their audience put these two things together in their own mind mm. and go, oh my goodness. Yeah. So a massive shark with huge teeth terrorizing people in the cold, dark massiveness of space. Mm. I've just seen Jaws, so I have a super vivid image of that. And I'm combining that with Star Wars, so I know what spaceships flying through space looks like. Yeah. But you just, you've told me the horror, you know, a new horror film that's happening in a new location greenlit the project and now what like almost 30 40 years later six or seven films later mm. the stories are still being told mm. and to me that was it's such a beautiful pitch because it's three words yeah yes and all the words are under what space is the longest words what's that like five five letters, five letters. yeah <laughs> so to to have that impact with such economic word use and still not tell a story, but be the sparks of a story mm. in the imagination of your audience and then letting them run with that because they feel ownership of it. And then it grows and grows and grows and creates immense amounts of value. And that's all the story is. I mean, okay, it's not technically a story if you go the academic classical route, but it's better than the equivalent of what most presentations are which are <laughs> uninspired information i could get online very quickly by myself whereas yeah. i actually have to spend attention listening to someone speak them to me and i have to interpret them rather than me reading them directly yeah so that's a really long way of saying story elements and simplifying ideas to the point where you can create visuals in other people's minds is a really fantastic way of pitching because people will take that image away combined with the feeling that they had when they made the image for themselves mm. and associate that to you yeah and they walk away going wow julia sparked my imagination yeah i love she's 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 such a great person to be around yeah and that's what you want and that that is essentially what storytelling is in whatever format whether it's that traditional um uh format um that that you said at the start that classical um uh, uh way of storytelling but that that is just conjuring up images in people's minds and then what you've just said with those three words conjured up imagery in those people and they, and they joined the dots themselves and I love that I mean make the audience work I mean you know <laughs> um I don't know how we how we effectively do that more more often but then that that kind of gives them ownership of what they're what they're visualizing thanks to to kind of what you've said so yeah I, I don't know how how do we go about that then um that's that's a silly question, um, but uh, you know, do, I guess it takes a lot of thought on our part to work out what is the simplest way I can tell this, which will conjure up imagery in the audience. Um, uh, I guess I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's practice. Yeah, you have to you have to be intentional. Um, you have to let your mind go of expectations. Mm. Uh, you have to have fun. 
Yeah. You have to try and amuse yourself and also iterate. And don't expect it to be perfect the first time round. Mm. But, but to sort of practice, um, again, practice to your phone, hear yourself say it, make a video recording, watch yourself say it, and then just sort of test it on people and see what they think. Um, so for example, so when in, whenever anyone introduce, whenever I'm asked to introduce myself, people go, what do you do, Martin? I say, I'm a crocodile wrestler. <laughs> and I intentionally pause for quite a long time. Yeah. And I get this kind of confused eyebrow raise, yeah. a slight crack of a grin. People lean forward, go, what? what? You don't <laughs> look like you don't look like Mike Dundee from Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. And then I, as they're sort of processing and their brain is kind of going, what does this mean? <laughs> I say, that's what it feels like being the father of three-year-old twins. Hmm. Ah, and I, then I can either choose to go on like a quick little description. I can unpack that description from the morning they wake up to when we get them back to bed. It's like wrestling crocodiles. Um, or I can just move straight on to the next subject. If mm -hmm. they don't have kids, for example, we can just hop over that. Mm -hmm. And I can say, when I'm not wrestling crocodiles, I'm a pitch coach. And I help you catch the attention of your audience by telling a short story. And then pause again and let people realize that that's what I've just done. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, haven't, I haven't said, you need to tell a story. I'm like, here's a story. You feel it. Let's work backwards and figure out how you can do this for yourself. Um, and the idea came from when I was doing a postgrad in education to sort of improve my coaching skills. Mm. And I read a, a paper from the Harvard Business Review where someone was saying, we need an elevator pitch for our elevator pitch because people had elevator pitches. And as soon as you met somebody, they were dropping the elevator pitch <laughs> and then not realizing that the audience hadn't actually tuned into the moment yet. And they may have said their most their best line too soon, new audience is a bit like, I'm more confused yeah. before I even met you. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, I, I think I might actually be doing that because before Crocodile Wrestler, someone asked me what I did and I said, I help you enjoy presenting. And I felt that was great because, you know, everybody doesn't enjoy presenting and I want you to enjoy presenting, mm. but it's not specific. Mm. And so by being very vague, I'm not talking to anybody. Um, and now I put enjoy presenting at the end of my crocodile wrestler pitch. So when I sort of yeah. say, I'm a crocodile wrestler, I help you enjoy, I help you tell stories. Do you enjoy pitching? And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question that the per person can say, oh, I hate it. I'm like, great, how can we help you? Or yeah. like, I love it. I'm like, it's great, isn't it? What do you love about it? <laughs> and so it becomes a question that can go in all directions and I'm happy to go in all those directions. I'm not trying to push somebody into a certain cul-de-sac of, me mm. it's more like hey let's talk about you and then i can constantly string back in presenting to that yeah um and that was something that again the first time i introduced myself as a crocodile wrestler was actually to a big room of people via skype and everyone else was in the british chamber of commerce in beijing oh, so i used to okay. live in yeah beijing. yeah so there's all these people I've never met, super serious government people, business leaders, uh, CEOs, and I'm there going, and, and someone says, and this is Martin. And I'm like, I'm Martin and I'm a crocodile wrestler. <laughs> and, and they just sort of looked at me and they didn't know. 
And of course, I can't gauge the real response in the room because we're not all in the same mm. room. And I just had to keep on going. And I got a few confused looks. Nobody really even knew me. Um, and I just decided to jump in and try it. And it felt anxious. It felt self-conscious. I felt I stumbled my words. I maybe spoke too quickly, but it was the first one. Mm. And then I did it again and again and again and again. And now I find it much easier. It's super fluid just to say I'm a crocodile wrestler and I, and I know what I want to say. Um, and I think you have to do those reps mm. to get comfortable with the story. You have to tweak it a little bit. You have to work on the pausing. You have to work on the tonality. Um, but now people come to me and whenever they're kind of messaging me on Facebook and LinkedIn or email or direct message, first thing they say is, how are the crocodiles? <laughs> yeah. And so my pitch has become the first step to our next conversation. And I think that's <clears throat> when a pitch becomes something that people repeat back to you, that means that's a demonstration that you've shared a story that has resonated. Yeah incredibly simple and again it might not be a technical story of transformation but it's using story elements to simplify mm. so again it's like jaws in space yeah i'm a crocodile wrestler and in your own mind you you're imagining somebody wrestling <laughs> yeah. crocodiles yeah and that's the goal yeah yeah and i i think one of the things that you do really well with your elevator pitch and oh, i hate elevator pitches by the way so i'm glad I'm glad you, you said that, but it's that you've got to get people warmed up to, to hear what you want to say. But what I really like is that attention grabbing thing and then the pause. And I think the pause is really, really difficult because as as I've said, um, I'm one of these people and I if I'm if I'm doing a presentation, I just want it to be over. So pausing and, and not rushing is really difficult for, for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to try and create something like that for me um and and see see how i go um I, i'll check in with you maybe in a few months and, <laughs> and see see what's what but a few weeks show just just work on a few things and <laughs> and whenever i talk to someone about this because i do train people how to come up with an mm. opening hook um is think about what something feels like mm. and does it feel good does it feel frustrating um and then how can that feeling be a way of building a bridge to with a bridge to whoever you're talking to so that you're actually turning um, a pitch into a conversation? Yeah. And that is, again, the key of a, a good pitch is that it shouldn't be me talking at you for hours and hours and hours. It should be me saying something that you're interested in and you build on and we start stacking on each yeah. other's ideas and we realize that we're in a much better place. So um, another quick example is that whenever I'm looking... Um, for visuals for for presentations i kind of look for the feelings of things and, mm. and we're going to talk about this very soon which i'm getting excited mm. about but um you know whenever i'm trying to say that something doesn't work i look for photographs of traffic traffic jams yeah yeah you have all sat in a traffic jam looking yeah. down this this row of light red lights disappearing over the horizon going oh my god seriously i'm gonna be here for i know and that's I'm tensing up now, just just yeah, starting. Yeah. I'm just listening to you. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in traffic. <laughs> but if you were say, a, you know, going in to talk to a client and you knew that they had some pain points and you you knew the pain points happened to be, I don't know, anything really, you could sort of mm. say, you could do the jaws in space. You could say, slow internet speed is like sitting in traffic, and everyone goes, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a waste yeah. of time. 
you get no results just like slow internet speed or just like uh, an old dishwasher that takes five hours or just <laughs> like you know having too much stuff to do and if you can mm. hone in on the feeling and i love this expression agitate the feeling mm. then you're you're getting people going yes yes this is a problem i need to solve and that's the yeah. framing of the problem. You take the frame of the problem away once it's really clear and then you bring in the solution. And it can be the more left field or tangential, the better. That mm. you're, you're sort of saying, here's one analogy. That was the pain analogy. Here is the solution analogy. And that's you and me together. Yeah. The pitch is going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Um, I, I think that's a really helpful way to, to look at things. Um, Unbelievably, I think we we we're pretty much out of time. Um, I I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? I think we've covered loads, actually. Again, I would just say enjoy pitching, yeah, and embrace it because every time you increase your value as a professional, it's because you're pitching. Yeah, yeah. Not the work you do behind the screen. That's that's part of it, but the value is created when you get more clients, when you start charging more when you build your network, and that only comes from pitching, the work gets lost. The work doesn't sell you. I used to think it did. I, I, I used mm. to hate pitching because I thought my work speaks for myself. No, it doesn't. <laughs> the stories, you and your stories sell the work, and you and your stories are what build in more clients. And so I would just say enjoy it embrace it and start small perfect i think that's that's a brilliant way to finish so huge thank you for joining us um and listeners don't forget to tune in to the next one which is all about visuals and we've also already done one that's on mindset so nice little trilogy that will help you enjoy pitching so thanks martin thank you very much julia i'm loving it thank you for listening to all about self-employment hosted by julia kermode for more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk, where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.